Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Game Point Pod. My name is Fata, and I got my partner in crime, Yazin. What's going on, bro? Happy Family Man. Day. Happy Family Day. Happy President's Day week if you're listening in the U.S., you know, just enjoying time off and, you know, hopefully watching a little bit of good basketball. No doubt, no doubt. Um, again, I try to do as much as I can over a long weekend. It's funny because I always look forward to these things once it's Friday, but never really take advantage of the time off. And I know for a fact I'm going to be complaining about it tomorrow when I get back to the office. So I got to I gotta do a better job at managing my free time, that's for sure. <laughs> All the days blend in nowadays. I, I can't tell you what day of the week it is anymore. So it's a three-day weekend? News to me. No idea, yeah. but... It's what we live in now, I guess, right? Right. Of course. Yeah, I already lost track of time once the pandemic hit, right? I don't even know if it's Tuesday or it's Thursday or it's Monday. So, I mean, it's just another day. It's it 2021. It is like. I like That's news to me. <laughs> no, I think it's 2020 version two, but... <laughs> oh, no! I'll try to stay optimistic here, but... Anyways, we got some interesting trade rumors already swirling around today's NBA. We'll dive into what these rumors are all about. I would humbly ask if you can drop the beat. So on this week's segment of Rundat, we're going to talk about our first rumor. Blake Griffin and the Pistons have agreed that he would be out of the lineup until the franchise and his reps work out his playing future as per Adrian Wojnarowski. As everyone knows, the Pistons have a logjam of bigs and considering the money that's owed to Blake Griffin and his infamous health history over the course of his career, the Pistons are looking to move the star as soon as possible. What teams do you think, Yazin, would be benefit of Blake Griffin's services? Oh man, they listen, the Pistons have heard my calls to free this man from Michigan. Blake Griffin did not deserve to be shipped out to Detroit in the first place a couple years ago. The Clippers did him dirty by signing him to a max deal and trading him seven months later. And ever since then, he has completely disappeared, fallen off the face of the earth. This is one of his worst, if not his worst season uh, as an NBA pro. He's averaging uh, just about 12.3 points a game. Uh, he's shooting pretty atrociously from three. He's really transformed his game now into like a uh, a stretch four. But he, you know, that's not what that's not the Blake Griffin we know, right? Blake Griffin, Lob City. You know, that's the guy that we we know and love. And he hasn't dunked in a game in almost two years, which is incredible to think of. Now, obviously, what? actually. He, that's a uh, that's a true fact. He has not dunked in a game since I believe October of 2019. That's the last time he dunked in an NBA basketball game. Well, now I don't feel as bad. Me and him have the same vertical. <laughs> Got he! <laughs> Got he! <laughs> <laughs> so they, there was a highlight uh, last week where he did a nice spin move and everyone was like, oh man, Blake Griffin's back. But the old Blake Griffin would not have laid that up. The old Blake Griffin would have yammed it on a guy and just, just taken his lunch money, you know, and he's just not that same guy anymore. Now he just chucks up threes and, you know, the Pistons organizations did him very dirty because they didn't give him a game plan. They didn't put together the pieces around him. He didn't have a really good point guard Reggie Jackson was his point guard for a long time and Reggie Jackson is no Chris Paul and you know Andre Drummond is not the same as uh you know uh DeAndre Jordan they're just completely different skill sets so his his skill sets were completely abolished basically um so 
it's 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 good news to hear that he's leaving. Um, how he leaves is going to be interesting because there's no way that he's going to accept the buyout, considering that they'd have to he'd have to essentially eat half of his contract. And when you're owed almost fifty four million dollars over the next two years, you're probably not going to give half of that back. So uh, finding a trade that's going to be interesting because it has to be a three team deal. You, I don't there's not many teams that can really take him on outright. I know Boston has uh, a trade exception uh, with with Gordon Hayward, but he wouldn't really fit there with Jason Tatum. If it's a trade, it's probably going to be to a team that wouldn't necessarily be his optimal choice. It wouldn't probably be a championship team. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head as to where he would go, but I'm just very happy that he's that he's leaving Detroit. Yeah, most definitely. I do agree that Blake Griffin will need to relocate elsewhere because we know that the Pistons ain't going nowhere, and that's a fact. But with that being said, you you definitely pose a great point with regards to the salary cap issues with various teams. And obviously, with a pandemic-like regular season, there's going to be potentially a, a cut in the salary cap. So teams have to acknowledge that if they're going to take the two years of Blake Griffin's contract. With that being said, I think the feeling is mutual between the Pistons and, and Blake Griffin, which is why they're going to make this move. And I have a few landing spots where Blake Griffin would be a good fit for if the money can make it work. The first team is Miami Heat. I feel like they're always an option for any star. And Blake is just another playmaking big. And with the Miami Heat's reputation and ensuring that players are in top-notch shape, it may be beneficial for his health struggles, trying to figure out ways to optimize his health to ensure that he stays on the court as much as possible. And if he's able to produce at a at an average level, I think that would be a marvelous addition for the Miami Heat. Currently, Olenek is starting at the power forward position, and I believe even a one-legged Blake Griffin is a no-brainer upgrade for that position. It would be a perfect low-cost option from an asset standpoint perspective uh, because I think they only got... Bam Adebayo signed uh, to a max deal as well as Jimmy Butler. So I still think that they have some space there to utilize. If not, they can just facilitate a three-team trade. The other team that I have in mind is the Charlotte Hornets. They come to mind as they do not have that kind of scoring punch coming from the power forward center position. And I believe that having Blake Griffin there would be monumental by stabilizing their offense when either LaMelo Ball or Gordon Hayward or other scorers need a break. This is the perfect opportunity for this franchise to somehow try to solidify their chances at a playoff spot. Then I got my last option, which is kind of mucky, but I don't know if they're able to pull this through. But, I mean, it's worth the option. The Dallas Mavericks, I mean, it, it they could be a possibility as Blake Griffin can be seen as a player taking pressure off KP in terms of the overload at that position. They can kind of, you know, like not play off one another, but obviously... Both of those players have a really bad injury history, so the chances of having at least one healthy is probably a chance that the Dallas Mavericks might be able to take. And again, I can see Blake Griffin playing alongside KP if they're able to stay healthy only because Blake Griffin is a playmaking big as well. And Willie Cauley-Stein for Blake Griffin is, again, another no-brainer with that position. And I believe the position in which the Mavs are in right now you got to take a leap of faith, but I doubt that really happened. So if it comes to realistic options, for me, it's the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets. And if Dallas Mavericks want to try to do something about it, I wouldn't be surprised there. But again, it's highly unlikely. Yeah, I mean, th- those are those are some good options. Uh, you know, definitely thinking of the Miami Heat, they definitely come to mind as, as a team that like needs maybe one more piece to, to really compete. And 
not saying that Blake Griffin is by any means a, a game changer at this point in his career at 31 years old and his knees are just made out of uh, paper mache at this point. Uh, so, but you know, make him a third option, make him like a, a guy who gives you 20 minutes a game and, you know, you don't run the offense through him and that could be a good option. I think another one, another team that has come to mind that also is recently in trade rumors is the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks have been rumored to want to trade John Collins. And as you discussed a couple of weeks ago, Trey Young and John Collins, not necessarily on the same page. And they they want to compete now, obviously. They're kind of on the outside looking in at 11 and 15 uh, outside the playoff hunt right now. Maybe, you know, using John Collins as a way to make that deal work, give Blake Griffin a, a point guard like Trey Young who can really exploit his his skill set, put him in the right positions. I mean, I saw Blake Griffin live uh, a couple years ago uh, when they played against the uh, the Bucks and they got swept. And he, he was literally injured a couple of games before. Everyone thought he was out for the rest of the series. And he came back and it was miraculous. This guy really ha- has a lot of heart. Uh, he's one of, I'd say, one of my favorite players in the NBA because he was so fantastic to watch and so exciting. Uh, and just seeing his career kind of really tumble so fast. I mean, it wasn't. He was in the league for maybe seven years before he was traded off to off to uh, Detroit. And you know, we we didn't really get to see the best out of Blake Griffin. So I'm hoping he kind of has a rejuvenation sent to a team that will put him in the best position possible to succeed, best position possible to contribute. Being the top scoring option on the Pistons is not where he needs to be at this point of his career. His knees just cannot handle it. And, you know, he'll always come out and compete. He'll always go out and dive for loose balls. Give him a team, you know, that has a championship aspiration like Miami, you know, like Atlanta. Even like, again, we always mention the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets are always seem to be in play for a guy like this. You know, Paul Millsap is there for and and MPJ is kind of there too. So that could be another team where he might slide in there and, and, and become another option. As long as he's kind of like, the third to fourth option where he gives you a, a limited amount of minutes. Uh, he can even come off the bench, you know, and really kind of contribute that way and, and stay healthy. And hopefully he can add some more years to his career. You know, what makes me laugh? The fact that the way the Clippers did him dirty when, when they took him into his free agency meeting and they promised him, I think they showed like, I think a, a vision of his number being retired in Staples Center and like putting him almost at the likes of some of the all-time greats and saying, hey, you are where you belong, which is the Clippers. And then, like you said, seven months later, shipping him off to Motown. Yeah, I mean, there was a video I saw just today where it was his return to L.A. and, you know, Steve Ballmer went to go shake his hand and Blake jettisoned back to the the, uh, the locker room. He just ran, had he just really didn't want anything to do with Steve Ballmer. I really feel bad for him because his career was going off, and I know why they did it. You know, free agency, you know, was was in the horizons, and they just signed him to a huge deal, and he just got injured again. So I understand it. They did do him dirty, but yeah, like giving him that sort of spiel of hanging his his jersey in the rafters and saying this could be you, and then not even a year later saying, mm, you know what, we really didn't need you. Uh, we want to buy his Harris and some cap space instead. Like that's uh I don't know. Yeah, but at the end of the day, I don't think Steve Ballmer has any regrets considering that trading Blake Griffin away has indirectly led to Kawhi and Paul George with the franchise. So, I mean, I guess you could really say that he has the last lap, but we'll see where Blake Griffin goes. And I really wish that his career gets rejuvenated with a winning team and a winning culture and then kind of see where he can do from that perspective of just being, I wouldn't necessarily say a role player, but like let's say a third fiddle on a team where 
he could be maximized based off where he is in his career and then hopefully go as far as uh, he could be because obviously I'm sure he has that ugly taste in his mouth with that 3-1 series blow against the Houston Rockets, probably 20, 2015, I believe. Right, yeah. I can't remember. So, yeah, so hopefully he gets into a situation that works best for him, and we wish him all the best. Yep. So with that said, we'll go on with the second trade rumor within Rundat, where the Cleveland Cavaliers are no longer planning to play Andre Drummond as they work to trade him prior to the March 25th trade deadline. There has been rumors that the Toronto Raptors are in active talks to acquire the two-time All-Star. Outside of Toronto, what are other destinations which would be a landing spot for Andre Drummond? Ooh, I, I want to hear your Toronto take, honestly. Oh, uh, I want to hear it. Let's go. Okay, well, after the Raptors' embarrassing effort against the lowly T-Wolves last night, I've been on the trade machine nonstop, trying to find <laughs> a damn center that can actually play defense and rebound. Like... Man, it's just it was so embarrassing just watching the way Aaron Baines had been struggling. You know, Aaron Baines literally hit rock bottom when the Raptors had to hide him defensively from Carl Anthony Towns to the point where Fred Van Vliet was guarding Carl Anthony Towns down low. So like that says a lot. My so goodness. like and then again to add to that, Drummond, I believe, fits the bill just slightly as the Raptors are 28th in offensive rebounding and dead last in total rebounding. So there's a like dire need of rebounds as it results into possessions. And, you know, the Raptors have been in, frankly, a lot of close games, which resulted in lack of rebounding, lack of offensive rebounding, and ultimately led to L's. So Drummond does check most of those boxes that the Raptors require from the five position. However, the tricky part is matching the salary as Drummond makes, I think, roughly $28 million per year. The Raptors are very close to the cap and would have to send back, I believe, $23 million worth of salary. So that would mean sacrificing a guy like Norman Powell, who has been nothing short of amazing this season. So just because of that, it's, I believe it's very unlikely that the Raptors do acquire him unless there could be a potential three-team trade involved. Yeah, he is a free agent too uh, after this year. Uh, yeah, right. $28 million is 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 not... It's not you don't want to stomach $28 million for, for a guy like Andre Drummond. Mind you, Andre Drummond is having a great year this year. He's also one of, one of these guys that uh, that Detroit kind of really dropped the ball on. And, and you know, a really skilled guy, a top high school recruit when he came out, played for UConn. And he's, he's, he's a rebounding machine. He's a defensive machine. And he, he'll give you points in the paint. And he'll, he'll really be that anchor. And he's still very young. He's, he's 27 years old. He's probably in the or close to the prime of his career and i think the raptors you know listen man shoot for the moon like you you want you want that anchor to just be there and only if there's the assurances that he will resign long term you don't want to take that risk and 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 trade for a guy who will leave the next year i mean obviously they did that with you know Kawhi, and it, it worked out for them but you know you don't want to take that risk on andre drummond right but at the same time you know they're on the outside looking in. They just lost to the worst team in the league in, in, in the uh, Timberwolves. Siakam needs some help down there in the paint. So I, I do think that they make they make sense. You know, I, I'd probably put them at the number one trade destination for him. Yeah, definitely. Um, just getting back to Siakam. Siakam needs more than help. I think he needs God at this point. Oh, my God! Because those... <laughs> I think I think he has like at least three game winning shots that have literally spun out. 
he does the spin move, but the ball spins around the basket and bounces out. So, like, I don't know if that's just destiny, considering the fact that he's just a complete spin master, like a Beyblade. But, man, it is so annoying, and it's so frustrating. And I know I understand it's growing pains being that number one option. But, again, we're, games are being costed because of this. And I feel like it has come to a point where Nick Nurse needs to figure out who is going to be that guy that takes that last shot. And... It could very well be that bringing in a big like Andre Drummond could help alleviate some of the pressures from Siakam, not having to worry about crashing for boards after you make your shot or after you take your shot, rather. With that being said, I could see this marriage happening. But again, I'm not comfortable in sending a guy like Norman Powell, who still has some term left on his deal for a guy who's an expiring contract that could walk out. So taking back to that, as for other destinations, I think there are a lot of options for the two-time All-Star. I can see, like I said, a team like Charlotte, as I noted, with the struggles of production from the five spot. Another team that I was thinking about is potentially, if the numbers work out, the Washington Wizards. I mean, they're in desperate need of help, and we all know how well Westbrook can play with an elite big. You know, when you talk about guys like Steven Adams, I can see Andre Drummond being facilitated as that kind of player and with Westbrook um, that could definitely help in terms of rebounds. But I know, I know Westbrook is going to try to steal his rebounds to that pad, but that's another discussion for another day. Maybe that ignites a turnaround. We shall see. But outside of that, I think the most realistic option would have to be the buyout. Um, I don't know if there's a team that could eat that salary from Andre Drummond. Like you mentioned, like imagine people are already struggling with Blake Griffin. I got one for you. I got one. The, Boston Celtics, uh, you know, like I mentioned, they have that trade exception yeah. from uh, from Gordon Hayward. They have $20 million in which they can absorb Andre Drummond. They have definitely need for an upgrade at center. Uh, Daniel Tice and Tristan Thompson. Uh, shout out Brampton. Shout out to Brampton one time, man. But, <clears throat> I mean, Drummond's definitely a... Uh, an upgrade over both of them. Uh, he knows Kemba Walker really well. They both went to UConn. They kind of just sort of pass each other uh, there. So, and, and you know, give them guys like Jalen Brown and uh, and Jason Tatum to kind of play with. It would be a low-cost move for, for Boston. They have the space for him. They, they have the direct need for an upgrade. They're kind of sitting at 500 right now, which you wouldn't think that they would be, you know, given the Eastern Conference and how bad it's been. So, I, I, if I'm the Boston Celtics, I'm... I'm giving them all the calls that I need to figure out how I can get him. It's probably, like I said, a three-team deal that that they would need to get him. But hey, listen, you you have the space. You know, you 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 got that room from from when you let Gordon Hayward go, and you got to use it somehow. So why not use it on Andre Drummond? Yeah, I just the like I can see why the Boston Celtics would try to go for Andre Drummond, but I don't see why the Cavs would take in another big like you mentioned, unless it's a three-team deal. I believe the Cavs are, A, trying to look for draft capital as well as some kind of wing player that can show some type of potential in the future. So it would definitely have to be, you know, a, another team that could provide that and maybe that third team take in a guy like Daniel Tice and, and, and whoever the Boston Celtics are looking to ship away. So that's why I was kind of shy to to mention the Boston Celtics. But if the Cavs indeed do not find a way to find a, a trade for him again it's gonna, definitely going to be a buyout and if there's going to be a buyout the first team that they're going to be looking at is the Brooklyn Nets who are absolutely getting nothing defensively from DeAndre Jordan so oh. Andre Drummond would be a tremendous upgrade in that position 
I God, I hope not. I hope not. Just, just don't. Uh, what the the Brooklyn Nets are, are the new like Lakers in terms of like every time there's a big name out there, you got all these these dumb fans on Twitter saying, "Oh my God, go Brooklyn, Brooklyn!" You know, it's gonna be no. Listen, all right, not everyone's going to Brooklyn. Okay, they got enough to worry about over there. They got enough mouths to feed. Like, let's come on, temper the expectations here. My goodness. Yeah, but. Um... We shall see, man. Um, again, the Cavs have chosen Jared Allen as their long-term center of the future. So I'm really looking forward to see what the trade rumors will entail and where Andre Drummond will finally land. And hopefully it's going to be a team that require his services to take it to the next level. And I want to see Andre Drummond deep in the playoffs, man. Like, you know, a lot of these players who are known to be playing in really bad teams and really bad environments and have these tremendous stats don't really mean nothing, right? Uh, you look at Detroit, you look at Cleveland, it's okay, well, he's just stat padding because he is, quote-unquote, the number one option in Cleveland. So my my challenge is to Andre Drummond. It's like, hey, show us what you got when you're actually on a good team, you know, and see what he can do in the playoffs. And hopefully that would at least uh, elevate his uh, his perspective amongst his critics, and we'll see where things go. Mm, I love me this trade mill, the the rumor mill. Ooh, this oh, is the yeah. best time oh, of yeah. year. <laughs> Just getting started, my friend. Just getting started. With that said, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about our last topic within Run That is Kyle Lowry of the Toronto Raptors. Do the Raptors trade Lowry? And if so, where should he go? So I'm going to go ahead and take this question and kind of provide my perspective on this. I personally don't think that the Raptors will be trading Kyle Lowry the team is still too good not to make the playoffs in my opinion and it would be ideal to make one last playoff push as the East to me is somewhat wide open I'm not saying that the Raptors do have a chance to win the East but I mean there's not a definitive winner of the East that's declared at this point I mean the Milwaukee Bucks are kind of suspect the Brooklyn Nets defensively is a major question mark so I'd like to see where things will go if they were to keep Lowry, maybe add to that. Um, the Raptors had never really had one of their stars stay as long as Lowry and not retire as a, as a Raptor. So I'd like for Lowry being the greatest Raptor of all time to be that guy. He's on an expiring deal, and if he wants to sign elsewhere, he can. But I would like to honor that deal, and I do not think there's pushback from Lowry to move him at this point. Like, could you imagine, like, on his side, on Lowry's side, to not know what's going on at the beginning of the year with the bubble and like with the Canadian government ousting the Raptors from Toronto and then finally settling in Tampa only to be traded and having to settle again with another franchise. I mean, we're doing our man a disservice. Just let him play the season now and it'll be up to the front office to figure things out. I, I, I have to, to skirt back to, to one thing. Greatest Raptor of all time, Kyle Lowry. Is this, yeah, is man. this really... Oh, without a doubt. When you look at the longevity and how much he's accomplished, like when I say greatest Raptor of all time, I'm not looking at from a talent perspective. The most talented Raptor of all time is probably Kawhi Leonard and then maybe Vince Carter after that. But when you're talking about the greatest Raptor of all time, who is the one guy that you that you think of, at least for me being a, a Raptors fan for over 20 years now, it's like who's that one guy that you see over the course of the length of his career where he is a Raptor, day in day out playing at an extremely high level and tied into the good moments of the or at least to the highest level which the franchise has achieved things of that nature and for him being the leader the heart and soul of this team 
and being able to be a monumental piece in the Raptors winning the championship, it has to be Lowry. Mm. Wow, that I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, you know, longevity. I mean, he's 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 stuck through thick and thin, and uh, you know, he's been there, been there for a while. So, just to preface why we've brought up Kyle Lowry, uh, there is a report from Bleacher Report uh, that says that there's a portion of Raptors personnel. These sources have said that believes that the Raptors will bid uh, him a Jew, basically, uh, as they begin the next stage here post championship uh, and there has been rumors swirling that he's been looking to sell some of his uh, uh places in toronto here uh, obviously you know you can't really read into that because if, if i'm not mistaken Kawhi leonard bought you know uh, a property in toronto the year he left for for la so it's kind of hard to look into the, you know the real estate behind it but you know do i think that lowry will be a raptor next year no uh, he's on an expiring deal. He's, he's making a lot of money now. And, and, you know, he's at sort of, I would think the tail end of his career or, or getting close to, uh, came into the league, I believe in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. So he's, he's, he's been around the block a little bit. Would they trade him? That's another question. I think Lowry is the kind of star who wouldn't necessarily request a trade for, for one, unless he said, listen, I'm not coming back next year. I want you guys to get something out of me, you know, trying recoup uh, a couple picks and maybe some players here. But mm-hmm. given the relationship that you've kind of painted here, I don't even think that he, that he would do that. Like I think, you know, it might just be an amicable like, you know what? He's not resigning, his contract's expiring. We we wish him the best on his future endeavors. It's not worth trading him and kind of tarnishing that end of legacy there for a couple second round picks and maybe some players. So I don't think they do trade him. Uh, I think that they kind of ride it out a little bit uh, and they are in contention for a playoff spot. Like I said, the East is wide open. I think they're eighth right now. So uh, yeah, I think he stays. I think he, he gives it his earnest trying to, to get this team back into contention. And, and then in that last game, he's going to give, going to get a standing ovation from from nobody in the in the crowd because it's going to be empty but i mean he's he's going to get that <laughs> like send off moment where you know you know that this is his last game and uh you know we'll probably see him somewhere somewhere else uh next year yeah i can definitely see that happening and i think Lowry's going to be the first raptor player to have a statue outside of social bank arena so statue um, yeah. really yeah wow. have you really like this man. hey man like when you think about it like he put his blood, sweat, and tears into this organization, brought them into new heights, brought them into a golden era where they made the playoffs eight consecutive years and to be able to win a championship. And at that game six, everyone remembers that game six of the NBA finals where this guy scored the first 11 to 13 points of the first quarter and ended up finishing 26 and 10. I mean, it's literally a storybook ending. And I really hope that the Raptors do not only reward him, but like recognize him, you know, as a player that he is and as a citizen as he, as he is being that honorary Canadian and able to help the Toronto community as, as best as he can. So I'm really hoping that they're able to do that. Uh, on the flip side though, if there is a chance that the Raptors do trade him, it just gets back to my point. I do not see a s- situation where the Raptors can get assets that they can truly appreciate. People were saying, that the Clippers were interested in Lowry trying to create the Raptors of the West with already Kawhi and Ibaka out there. But no thanks. I do not want Patrick Beverly and Lou Will. Oh, come on, man. I mean, they will not, they will not be a net positive for that team and for that trade. 
The only team I can potentially see the Raptors pulling the trigger on uh, sending Lowry is to Denver, like we always stated, right? Denver is always going to be that team that's always looking to acquire any kind of star, especially with the assets that we have. And as we specified in a previous pod episode, acquiring like a guy like Gary Harris, a prospect and a first would probably be something that, you know, Denver would like to do in order to push them over the hump and then able to slide Jamal Murray into his natural shooting guard position and see where things go. Miami, like we said, is always going to be an option. But again, I don't want anything from Miami unless Tyler Hero is involved. And I doubt that Miami Heat is going to abide to that. So with that said, I'd rather Lowry just stay as a Raptor, let the contract play out. And if he wants to stay, that's amazing. If not, salute to the six-time All-Star NBA champion and the greatest Raptor of all time. I think whether or not whether or not he gets traded, I think he goes home to Philadelphia next year. I think next year he will be a Philadelphia 76er. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Playing in front yeah. of his mom, he hasn't he hasn't done that ever in his career. Playing in well, front of his he, mom. He, yeah, I think he did that when he uh, with Villanova in Philly, but as for professionally, he hasn't. So I think yeah, to move move Ben Simmons out of that point guard role, I, I think. I, whether he gets traded to them or not, I think he he ends up on the Philadelphia 76ers next year. I think he gets his jersey retired by the Raptors, of course. Uh, does he get a statue? I don't know. If I was going to put my money on what a statue would be out here, it would probably be that shot by Kawhi Leonard. I mean, like, that's it's got to be immortalized, I would say. But uh, definitely an yep. all-time great Raptors. I see that, too. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, MLSC can honor the Raptors as the Leafs have in their Legends row. I believe the Raptors are due for that now. If they were looking to add a few people to that, obviously people always said Kawhi Leonard, they should retire his jersey, but I don't think so because he only had a one-year stint. So I actually support the idea of having the shot as a statue, as what as the first statue, and then having Lowry. And another person that should really have a statue too as well is Masai Ujiri. I mean, this guy was the sole reason as to why this franchise has turned around. So, mm. you know, if... If we're going to honor players uh, or honor people that have elevated this franchise, I, I feel like executives should be a part of that. And Masai Ujiri, you know, breaking the barriers as a, a non-white executive and bringing this team within this country of Canada into new heights and being able to achieve the goals of winning a championship, I feel like he needs to be honored in that very same way. So, Shout out to um, Masai for beating his case. Yeah, man. That's what I'm saying, man. If, Guy wins if every time. He always, always is the winner. He's a winner. Hey, man. He's a winner on and off the court, and people on need and to on. really understand that. So that wraps up our segment of Run That. So we'll segue into our next segment, which is AO Moment of the Week. AO, what the f***? All right, so I'm going to switch things up here. Yazin, you start off with your AO Moment of the Week. Oh, yeah. I got two. Um, and one of them actually comes from the Raptors. Uh, I believe it was the Raptors against the uh, Boston Celtics. And boy, those two teams had uh, a good minute-long <laughs> stretch of the worst basketball I've ever seen in my entire life. That was like River Grove Community Center basketball right there. Just guys going up and down the court. I'm I dead. don't know where they were going, running in wrong directions, chucking up the worst shots. You're just thinking to yourself, these two teams were in the playoffs last year playing against each other, and now here they are, just abysmal, just the worst basketball you'll ever see, those two teams playing in just a a quick one-minute stretch 
very funny. Uh, and, and the clip I actually saw it was it was sped up because it was it was just so much in in one truncated time frame that they needed to speed it up because that's how much just ridiculous basketball was being played. So that's one of my AO moments. I'm gonna give you a chance to respond to that one, defend your team, yes. and then give me yours. Yes, yeah, so I did watch that game live, and I was literally dumbfounded. I, I wish I, I'm able to insert the Doc Rivers staring gif like <laughs> in disbelief. And I'm like, what is going on? Because I think the Raptors were struggling to get stops, and it was only an eight-point game. So the Raptors, you know, they got these stops, and I'm hoping, okay, now let's capitalize on these. You know, we're, they're going on fast breaks, and it was just literally – it was so messy to watch. And I think I saw a caption where they mentioned that it's like watching a bunch of soccer players play basketball, which is so <laughs> accurate for me <laughs> because literally everyone's tripping all over the place, chucking up threes, chucking up layups and like just break after break after break, just stops on both ends. You know now, what it needed? Granted, you know what it needed? It needed the Benny Hill music. Like it just needs that just on replay. Oh, man, it's like it was just utterly embarrassing. But I will say, though, granted that the Raptors were on a second game of the back to back. They slightly have an excuse now because I think that was in the third quarter. Legs, obviously, in the second half of the second game of the back to back, legs start to get heavy, you know, and you're playing against a fast paced team like the Boston Celtics. So I give Raptors that excuse. But the Boston Celtics, uh-uh. you already got a day off and you're a young team. So. Yeah, it was it was pretty funny to say the least at that point. But um, let's just hope we don't see that kind of basketball content ever again, especially from the Raptors. Woof. So, segueing from that game, actually, my AOMO of the week goes to the Boston Celtics. Just again. as a team. Oh, as no. a team. They have high expectations to be a powerhouse in the East. They currently sit at 13-13. and 13. Who would have predicted that? Like, I mean, they had losses against the Kings, the Pistons, and the Wizards. I repeat. The Kings, the Pistons, and the Wizards. I don't know what's going on. I had to check if the Boston Celtics did have all their guys playing in each of those games, but they did. Am I surprised? Most definitely. Do I feel sorry for them? Absolutely not. If they do not pick things up, we could potentially see a first-round playoff exit. That's right. I'm purring the gasoline and drinking the haterade. And if I was Charlemagne the God, I'd give him donkey of the day at Breakfast Club. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> Please give the biggest hee-haw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's self-evident by that that play <laughs> against the, the, the Raptors. I mean, yeah, they, they their whole season deserves an AO moment at this point. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But uh, my my second AO moment actually comes from Russell Westbrook. Uh, I, we we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Uh, they're, 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 yeah, right. His 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 last couple games have been AO. Um, there's two of them actually. The the first one was against the Knicks. Uh, there was like a some sort of an outage or some technical issue, and everyone is trying to keep warm. You know, Julius Randle is you know on the bike, and Derrick Rose is kind of stretching. And what is Russell Westbrook doing? He's dancing. He's 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 in the tunnel, and he's doing like a full on Jabba Walkies dance routine during this like delay. No music. There's no music playing. He has no headphones. It was that in his head, probably just replaying over and over again. And he's like, I'm just going to start dancing. And it's, it's literally, it's a couple minutes of him just going off again. Like I said, no music in the arena, 
no headphones on, just straight Russell Westbrook vibing on his own on his own self, on his own energy, uh, and just dancing like nobody's watching. And I feel like that should have been on Shaq and the Fool. He ended up having a horrible game and then ended up losing. But you know, I mean, at least he got his dance moves in. But the second one with Russell Westbrook was uh, a couple nights ago. He airballed a free throw, and he stared. He had to stare at the ball after he airballed. As if like he was blaming the basketball for for missing everything. He kind of just like looked at it and was like, "Oh, for real? Like, really? You're gonna I'm gonna airball? That's what happens?" And he's just staring at it. And oh my god! He doesn't move off of the line. He stays on the line and he's just staring. I don't know what's going through this guy's head. I know he loves playing basketball. I know how competitive he is. I know how bad the Wizards have been. I think the Wizards have broken Russell Westbrook to the point where his brain is like just not here he's on a, he's on a different planet at this point he's dancing he's he's staring at the ball he's he's just not playing well he's shooting a, an abysmal rate so i think my moment goes two of them go to russell westbrook because he's he's completely just broken he, i don't know what's going on with him at this point the good old double whammy russell westbrook wow i think he's the first person in ao moment of the week history to get two in the same episode Two. I, you know what? It's It won't be the first two, and it probably won't be the last two. I'll tell you that much, especially <laughs> this season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. All right, so that wraps up our AO Moment of the Week. Our next segment, Games of the Week. I love this game! <laughs> so I have one game that I have marked on my calendar, and that is the first-place Utah Jazz visiting the third-place L.A. Clippers in a wild showdown of Western powerhouses should be in for a show. I mean, the Utah Jazz has been hot as of late, winning 18 of their last 19 games. Can the Clippers be that team to humble the red-hot Jazz? We shall see on Wednesday night. How about you, Yazin? Yeah, I mean, that that that's one that I definitely had on my radar as well. Like, how for real are the Utah Jazz? I kind of gave Donovan Mitchell the, the Shaq treatment last week where I said, you know what, mm, I don't really know if he's if he's that guy yet. So this is a chance in prime time on ESPN against the Clippers, against Kawhi and PG and all of them. So this is a chance for them to to prove it. So uh, my game of the week is the night before. Uh, it is Brooklyn traveling to the Staples Center to play the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, I had made this decision before uh, the news that Anthony Davis uh, would be out uh, for the next few weeks. Uh, it looks like he has strained his Achilles um and or has tendonitis i believe so he won't be present for this game so we won't get the full sort of la brooklyn experience that we're kind of looking for that all not all the stars are going to be out but with that being said there's still enough star power for that game in prime time on tnt for it to be a show we're gonna see lebron versus kd we're gonna see you know uh, I mean, I can't really compare anyone else on the Lakers to Kyrie and, and Harden. Like, that's pretty much it. I would have Alex said Caruso. Alex Caruso, one of the leading vote getters in the Western Conference All Star race right now. Shout out to Alex oh Caruso. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to just watch them for the first time, kind of, you know, match up a little bit. It's like I said, not on full power, but hey, it's a sprinkling of what could be the NBA Finals. You know, hopefully not personally, but uh, it's going to be a good matchup regardless. LeBron James is just like I, I can't get enough of watching this guy. He's he's getting better somehow. I don't understand how he's getting better. So watching him against KD again, just going at it. It's been a while since we've seen those two duke it out. So that's my game of the week. 
Yeah, like that was that was one game I was looking forward to until the AD injury, as you mentioned. So again, we'll see. The Brooklyn Nets are non-existent defensively, so it could turn out to be a game. But we saw the debacle that just happened with the Brooklyn Nets versus the Golden State Warriors. I thought the Warriors were going to win that game on Saturday night, but yeah, it was definitely um, the Kyrie show. That's for sure. Kyrie always shows us these glimpses of like. Everybody forgot about me being the best point guard in the league. And again, it's just like he's definitely a pleasant to watch, but I just need to see him string that consistency and hopefully bring this team to a new height. So, I mean, the ball's literally on their court, the Brooklyn Nets, to win a championship. It's championship or bust. I'm not trying to hear no Eastern Conference finals. Oh, we pushed so and so to seven games, or we lost in the NBA finals to the Clippers or the Lakers, or whatever the case may be, nah, you got to win a championship. If you have those three guys, like Shaq, you know, if you got those three guys, then you got to win a championship. I don't want to hear it. I don't so. want to hear it. No, you got to win a championship. <laughs> All right. So there's that, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, we got a couple games that we're really excited to watch this week, and we'll see how the results look. Absolutely. I'm excited for them. Let's get it. Mm-hmm. So that wraps up games of the week. Let's head on over to Blog Boy Talk. So all your blog boys and fanboys that's going to use everything I say and create an article, yeah. watch a basketball game. How about you write that? All right. So uh, we got a uh, a good question here where it revolves around all-star and all-star voting. So you probably saw the last couple of all-star voting results thus far, and you start to scratch your head and realize, why is guys like Alex Caruso 10th amongst guards in all-star voting? Or why is... The injured Clay Thompson, seventh amongst forwards in All-Stars voting. And that kind of puts into question as to why votes are like that. And the question is, how much influence should fans have in voting players into the All-Star game? So, Yazin, I can maybe start off with you to get your perspective on that. Yeah, All-Star voting is a is an imperfect system. Uh, we've seen in the past, we had, uh, there was a scenario in which Yao Ming, I think, was like the leading vote getter and he, he wasn't he wasn't playing at all or he had retired or something like that where it, NBA fan voting is A, a popularity contest, which that's fine, but also B, kind of like the, the ground for like, for memes, essentially. I, I don't know how to put it. Like a guy like Alex Caruso, who is the rolliest of a role player out there in LA. He just he's a fan favorite for whatever reason because he doesn't look like an NBA basketball player, maybe. I don't know. Uh and here he is in like tenth place in the guard voting in the West. Clay Thompson hasn't dribbled a basketball this season and he's you said seventh. There are really deserving guys who are not going to be, you know, in that race, you know, because because they, you know, these NBA fans kind of wanna sometimes play have fun with it and, you know, vote their guys that they like or trying to ruin the system. So, but at the same time, like fan voting is only for the starters. Um, you know, only the top five get in from the fan votes. Uh, you know, it's, it's just a, the three front court players and two back court players in both. So I, I don't see a scenario in which like they can vote enough for Alex Caruso or Clay Thompson to start in the, in the Eastern conference or in the Western conference, excuse me. Um, but I do think that there needs to be a little bit of a split as to like, we should see uh, NBA fan votes. We should see journalist votes. We should see media votes. Uh, we should see GM votes. We should see other players' votes. Like they, they should have weight. So it should be like a a divide, and then like a twenty percent split between those five groups, twenty five percent between four, something like that. Where like 
you get more people, more minds who are kind of interested in who should actually play because a lot of guys they make more money when they play in the All Star game. You know, it, it goes to their their legacy. So you want to see guys playing the All Star game who deserve playing in the All Star game. So it definitely should be a little bit of a mix. What do you think? Yeah, without a doubt. Like when you think about the All Star voting breakdown. 50% of the weight of the votes go towards the fans. 25% goes to the media and 25% goes to the players. And I feel like that percentage weight needs to be allocated a little bit more evenly, if not more for the media and more for the players and less for the fans. Because I understand that this is probably an opportunity for the fans to be involved in NBA All-Star Weekend if they're not going to be presently there to be like, hey, I had a part in bringing this player into the All-Star game. And again, it it creates buzz, it creates excitement. So I can see why the NBA wanted to give a bulk of that weight to the fans to make them feel like their voices are being heard and that they have power. But it may be a bit too much power to me because when you think about it, a few years ago, we we had guys like Pachulia, you know, almost getting into the All-Star starting role. God. We got guys like, you know, Alex Caruso and Clay Thompson this year. And then, like you said, with Yao Ming and even like Jeremy Lin, obviously. Oh, whoa, whoa. Him too. So well, like, he deserved it that year. All right. Let's let's pump. No, the not with the Knicks when he was with the Houston Rockets. Oh, right? OK. Then he did not deserve it that year. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean the, the the heavy influence of that franchise, you know, with Yao being there and whatnot. So uh, I understood why the voting changed. I think it changed as of 2017, if I wasn't mistaken. But I still think that there should be a more evenly breakdown, like you mentioned. Uh, I wouldn't say maybe 20 across the board. I would probably say like 25 to the fans, or maybe like I don't know. Yeah, 30 to the fans, and then and then split amongst the rest, like split it down the middle, like what is it 35 and 35 or something like that like um it's just a slight edge but like i said there still needs to be uh some kind of adjustment but at the end of the day we don't really know um how that will turn out and on top of that there's always going to be trolls that come in and try to do what they can to bring guys who don't deserve to be in the all-star game to be in the all-star game and i think that's like one of the l's that the the league was willing to take in order to get fan involvement with regards to selecting the all-star starters. So we'll see where things go in terms of, you know, if the NBA were, were looking to innovate in the future, because when you see guys like Zach Levine and other players, like I wouldn't say like De'Aaron Fox would be eligible to be an all-star, but again, those are going to be voted by the coaches, right? Cause I believe they would be reserves. Like you said, it's a popularity contest. So guys that may not have that household name that deserve to be an all-star starter will get, you know, the short end of the stick at the end of the day. And that's the unfortunate part of NBA fan voting. And, Hopefully the NBA finds a way to innovate. And I'm sure that Adam Silver is that commissioner to always think of innovative ways to make this league better. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, we've already seen that, you know, guys kind of don't want to play this year, you know, admittedly. Uh, and we now have seen that the dunk contest will take place at halftime and the three point in the skills competition will take place uh, pregame. So they're going to do all, all of it in one day instead of having like a two day event, which, you know, it's, you know, it doesn't really give you all that all-star Saturday vibes, but it's better than nothing. We do want to see the best compete. And I do think that maybe next week we should discuss who we think should be in both of those competitions, you know, the dunk contest and three-point contest, because those are going, those are my favorite part of all-star weekend. So uh, figuring out who that's going to be is going to be really fun. There is a lot of players who are 
well qualified to be an all-star reserve but there's only so many spots so it's going to be a bloodbath for sure it's gonna be a fun conversation so i'm really looking forward to that i swear to god if julius randall is not a reserve in this year's all-star game okay some there will be hell to pay i don't know who's going to answer to this transgression but there will be hell to pay because he deserves it and he should be in there i digress no comment and that will yeah, end our damn blog right boy talk. no comment <laughs> <laughs> all right so that ends blog boy talk and that wraps up our episode so thanks again for tuning in don't forget to like subscribe to our podcast game boy pod on ig and game boy pod underscore we are both on spotify and apple add reviews if you can that'll be greatly appreciated is there anything you'd like to add yes smash that like button hit those reviews give us the five stars tell your friends tell your mama tell your grandmama tell everybody tell your barber tell everybody listen we're going big time we're going to the moon everybody like i mentioned we're still planning on doing that contest so click follow 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 like yasin said tell your immediate family tell your extended family tell your fam fam tell everybody so because we want to start giving away some prizes to our loyal listeners And yeah, so we're looking forward to that and it's going to be a fun time. With that said, we'll end it off. That's game.